electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. I hate that we have to spend so much attention to the Federal Reserve. We know it's possible to make money in the market with or without the Fed on our side, but it sure is easier when the Fed's down and out of the picture. And they're not. Yep, we didn't get that today. We got a Fed that raised rates another quarter of a point and then said it would wait to see what happens and take action if needed. It seemed benign initially, but then we got a late afternoon sell-off with the Dow finishing off 270 points, the S&P sinking 0.7%, and the Nasdaq declining 0.46%. Powell's now raised rates an astonishing 5% in 14 months. It's the fastest set of increases we've ever seen. If you can get 5% risk-free, though, who needs the stock market? Well, we're discovering it's not as many people as we thought. It's really hard to pull your capital out of a safe zone like 5%. Very easy to abandon the market entirely where you can get a very solid return from CDs or short-term treasuries. And you know what? I've got no problem putting a ton of cash in the sidelines. It could make a ton of sense given the gauntlet I am predicting we must go through before we want to commit new capital to this market. Powell also made it clear that he won't let up in his war against inflation. He mentioned the Fed's 2% inflation target endlessly, and we're nowhere near that. Long term, that's good news for growth stocks because growth stocks flourish in a low inflation environment. Although short term, it can hurt seeing it can't it, it, it can hurt them and the names don't respond well to rate hikes. So as much as you got a green light to go into cash, you also get a green light eventually to start buying growth stocks as the hurdles. Apple's quarter, which you know I'm not that confident about, the employment number and the debt ceiling crisis, they all fall into the rearview mirror. Once that happens, well, that'll be good news. And right now we've got one down and three more to go. The only reason anyone's even willing to consider buying growth stocks is because the Fed made it clear they're no longer going to keep hitting us with a series of lockstep rating increases. Powell's now data dependent. He wants to wait and see what happens. If the economy stays too hot, he's going to whack us with higher rates. But if it keeps cooling down, hey, maybe he does nothing. In the end, Powell's trying to thread the needle. He wants to get back down to 2% inflation, but not at all costs. And I like that. The most important thing that came out of the Fed meeting, though, is the very fact that it ended giving us a chance to catch our breath and get ready for more pain, which I've been telling you was going to happen. Now, I'm not a Fed watcher. I'm someone who loves a good steeplechase. And the market initially went over this hurdle with a plum, mostly because the Fed didn't commit to anything. That's great news, although it didn't stop the market from rolling over near the very end of the day. But that wasn't really all the Fed. So I think the Fed's either done tightening or almost done tightening, depending on how the data shakes out. However, I don't think they'll be cutting rates anytime soon, certainly not this year. So those who believe Powell will throw us a bone are bound to be disappointed. 
We're not going to have that happen even this year, I think. But if you're willing to be patient, what kinds of stocks should you be looking at? Well, you can certainly buy the stocks that historically do well when we go into recession, because that's what so many people heard today. That's their interpretation of what the Fed just told us. And, you know, oddly, you can buy the housing and housing-related stocks, because longer-term interest rates actually went down today. And that's what more matters for mortgage rates. I know it's counterintuitive to buy home builders and the recession stocks at the same time. That almost never makes sense historically. But this is a weird market where history has meant very little. And eventually, but not yet, and certainly not before we see Apple, you can buy tech because they do well when inflation is under control and the Fed's going toward its 2% inflation target and succeeds. Homes, consumer packaged goods, and ultimately tech? Amazing. I've never seen that mosaic before. But then again, we've never seen the Fed take rates from 0 to 5% overnight. Notice, though, I didn't say you can buy the financials. That group is horrible. That's because the Fed seemed to ignore the current mini banking crisis. They only focused on the one that happened in March. I couldn't believe Powell ignored the failure of the First Republic earlier this week, especially since we don't have anything in place for the other branches of government to prevent more bank runs. Just look at PacWest and Western Alliance getting killed in after-hours trading, down hideous, terrifying amounts even. It was negligent not to mention what's going to happen because we've got to put pressure on the FDIC to raise insurance or a lot more banks are going to go. The regional bank weakness and perhaps wipeouts will soon reverberate through the entire economy because when banks are struggling, it's much harder to borrow money. I was stunned that Powell didn't acknowledge this. You can bet there are tons of of people who bank the First Republic and they're not going to get any sweetheart loans anymore. Zero interest loans, not from First Republic's new owner, J.P. Morgan. What we really don't want to see here are further bank runs caused simply by the massive declines in their stocks, like we got from PacWest, which has been cut in half after hours because it said it was weighing its options, which has become shorthand for waving a white flag and saying, we're done. Lots of perfectly fine banks, banks like Key or Comerica or Huntington, really necessary banks to the American economy, have seen their stocks get crushed by short sellers, betting they can crack these helpless creatures, and it's been working. It's become a vicious cycle, people. The shorts push down the regional bank ETF, which then takes down all of their individual stocks that are in the ETF. Once the stocks go low enough, it causes people to lose faith and scares away more depositors, which in turn gives the short sellers even more ammunition. Powell didn't talk about the need to insure deposits to these banks. He just kept saying the banking system's sound. Great, if true. But unfortunately, the banking system is only as sound as the psyche of the larger depositors. If they're worried because of the declines in the bank stocks, they'll take anything north of the FDIC's quarter-million-dollar deposit cap and send it elsewhere. That hasn't been addressed. But as I've said, it's causing banks to be more cautious with their lending to the point where it's really equal to another 100 basis points of worth, worth of rate hikes. The bank system isn't sound. We just have some very sound big banks. The collapse of the banks we have seen amount, I think, to about another 100 basis points. So now what do we have? We have 600 basis points of hikes, not just the 500 that Powell mentioned. What does this mean to you and your portfolio? It means you've got every reason to one, two, sell, 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 and ring the register, park your money in cash. Nothing wrong with cash. We've been raising it for the charitable trust, just not enough. And unlike today's sellers, we're using cash because we want to use, we, we're raising cash because we want to buy our favorite stocks, but at lower levels. I think the gauntlet will send the whole market lower, especially the debt ceiling crisis. I recommended buying into the teeth of that sell-off, but not yet. 
The bottom line, raise some cash as we go through the gauntlet. Keep your bat on the shoulder. But recognize that we're going to have some viable groups soon enough. We just can't pull the trigger until the whole market gets oversold and we're further along in the steeplechase. Right now, it's still one down, three to go. But with Apple having run big into tomorrow's quarter, which I think was a big mistake, and almost always goes down when it reports, and with the pulverizing of so many regional banks after the bell because of PacWest problems, all I can say is patience and cash are the true virtues at this moment. Brian in Virginia. Brian. Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, my question today is about Dominion Resources. Been a direct uh, purchase plan program with it for like 30 years, and it's always done well by me. And now it's really suffered over the past year. Should I keep buying? Should I? Yes, sell it? you should. should. I, I think Dominion, the sell-off is overdone there. I think that it's just right now. A lot of people just don't understand what's quite, quite frankly, happening with it. It's got to be. I think they need a big analyst day and flush things out because it has been far worse than most of the re, most of the utility companies I follow. Dustin in Oklahoma, Dustin. Booyah, Jimbo. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. It's good to talk to you again. I'm a long-time, many-time Charter Club member. Excellent. And, uh, and I love you, man. I stock I'm calling about today is a, a, a holding I've held for quite some time in the club. Uh, I've gone through the lows of, you know, getting cut in half and then came back up. And with the numbers being reported in the last few days with MGM and Macau, and with all my friends that I used to live in in Las Vegas, seeing all the results going on in Las Vegas, I'm really interested in what your thoughts are about wind moving forward. Uh, I like wind very much. I think that wind's a play on Macau, too. Uh, it's one of our better stocks. We held on to it. Thank you for saying nice things about the club. We had some tough ones today, too, though. I don't want to just stay with the good ones. Let's go to Roland in Louisiana. Roland. Jim, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Roland. How about you? I'm excited, man. It's my first time calling, man, from the water. Excellent. Thank you for calling. Now, let me tell you why. That was a stock that you had brought up a while back, and I really did a lot of investigating on that particular stock. And it was uh, Palo Alto Networks, which I believe is the number one cloud-based security company in the world. And, I think um, you're right, Roland. But remember, we, it's a tech stock. I don't expect Apple to do that well tomorrow because the stock ran. And I think that you can buy uh, Palo Alto lower. We've got some. We want to get bigger in it. But I think it can go down more. Even though the, st- the company's good, it doesn't mean the stock can't go down. All right. Now, we've got some eventual viable groups thanks to the Fed. But you can't pull the trigger yet until we go through three more hurdles in this endless and difficult steeplechase. Oh, man, money tonight. Wingstop scoring after hours. I'm finding out the stock could continue to fly with the company's top brass. Then last year, Bausch Health spun off Bausch and Loam into an independent company. I'm digging into the story with the company's CEO and recapping his first 50 days on the job. And Brinker International, which is the company behind Chili's and Maggiano's, fell after support. So our investors getting the opportunity to take a bite out of it. Well, maybe after the gauntlet, they sure are. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. 
It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is Constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a seventy-five dollar sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com/slash/MadMoney. Just go to Indeed.com/slash/MadMoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com/slash/MadMoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Earnings seasons are strange. There's a season for everything. Now, in the restaurant season, while most of the restaurants have been pretty good, some are a heck of a lot better than others. Take longtime Kramer fave Wingstop. This morning, Wingstop reported a stunning quarter with a 14-cent earnings beat off a 45-cent basis. That's a phenomenal. And by the way, I'm talking about 20.1% domestic same-store sales growth. Analysts were only looking for 8.7%. That's why the stock surged. $18 or 9% today. Breathtaking move that took it to a new all-time high. If you remember, Wingstop was one of the big winners during the pandemic because they fully embraced digital and delivery. The stock then had a bit of a post-COVID hangover, but it bottomed a little less than a year ago as chicken wing prices started coming down. It's been on fire ever since. The stock's more than tripled since late May of 2022. Even after this extraordinary comeback, I wouldn't be surprised if Wingstop's got a lot more room to run. Don't take it from me, though. Let's take a closer look with Michael Skipworth. He's the president CEO of Wingstop. We'll learn more about this incredible quarter. Mr. Skipworth, congratulations on an amazing set of numbers. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for having right. me. I, I follow the company, and I've read through your documents, but I think people, when they hear 20%, they frankly can't believe it. So could you please tell people what is the substance that's making this thing fly like this? Jim, we have a lot of great and very unique growth levers here at Wingstop. We have a really amazing gap and opportunity in front of us to close brand awareness to other national brands. We have menu innovation in the form of our new chicken sandwich that we launched late last year. We were one of the last brands out there to expand beyond one delivery service provider to, to add Uber Eats to our mix there. And so we're bringing in a ton of new guests into the brand, and it's really fueling some incredible growth for us, growth that we think is going to last for not just this quarter, but get, take us into our 20th consecutive year of same-store sales growth and beyond. Now, you have been quick to embrace digital. What does 65% digital mean for your company? Jim, we have grown a database that is now 35 million users strong. And it's that database that's allowing us to really get targeted with our marketing, 
It's allowing us to get very personalized with each guest, engages with our brand, and we think it's all part of us continuing to, to drive engagement with Wingstop. But then we also, as we see expansion in that delivery channel, we see a nice lift in the average check as well. Now, a lot of people are worried about a credit crisis. They're saying you can't get financing. Now, in your comp school, you said basically these are not issues. But maybe that's because you have an average unifier now uh, that is so in excess of when I first started looking at the company. I mean, you're, you're, you've gone from $400,000 to $1.7 I would imagine anybody could get in, anybody could get financing when you have those kinds of numbers. Jim, there's a ton of growth in our brand right now. We have a pipeline that's as strong as it's ever been, over 1,200 commitments strong, setting us up for a record year of development in 2023. And it really is fueled by the strength of the unit economics. Our brand partners whose AUVs are close to $1.7 million on average are experiencing some of the strongest level uh, cash flows they've had in, in a long time. And that's going up against a pretty modest investment to open a wing stop, a little over $400,000 on average. And they're seeing such a quick return on that investment that so much of our growth is being fueled by cash flow from existing operations. Now, but you put some good money behind your people. Uh, the emphasis on live sports on TV has worked terrifically for your franchisees, hasn't it? It sure has. We put that strategy in place last year, knowing that all the eyeballs we felt were going to be on live sports. And so we leaned in big there, showing up in premium placement like NFL, NBA, which you're seeing right now. And we think that's paid a lot of dividends as we've seen our ad fund grow significantly with the growth we've experienced in system sales. In Q1, that grew 30% in and of itself. Now, I was shocked to see that you've got a real deflation that you're still going too. People are actually experiencing deflation costs if they have a wing stop. Yeah, we are in, have, see a very favorable commodity backdrop as we sit here today and the rest of this year. As we look at some of those leading indicators, look really good, really favorable for Wingstop. And again, it's really what's fueling that pipeline that's setting us up for what will be, what we believe will be about 240 net new restaurants this year or a growth rate north of 12%. Now, you put out a... To- uh- I'm just going to let you say it because I think you tell people what your international goal is because it's so high. People won't believe it if I say it. We actually just last week eclipsed the 2000 restaurant milestone for the brand. But we have so much growth in front of us. A significant amount of our footprints here in the U.S. where we see we can grow that to north of 4000. But then outside of the U.S., we have an emerging international business that's really on fire right now. We see that opportunity north of 3000 units. Do you think ever look at the Domino's model and think that to some degree that's you? There are a lot of things Domino's has done really well and someone that we really look up to and admire and think that they 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 blazed a trail of one that we would be we would be grateful to follow. And we do see a lot of similarities in in how our brand expands, how we engage heavy off premise. But I think the one thing we're really leaning into is is strong, strong unit economics. Well, I do think people should know I've always loved the empowerment thesis, but to get a wing stop is a very special thing. You do not just go and apply for Wingstop. You like seasoned operators. That's still working for you, isn't it? 
It is. It's working really well. And I think the biggest testament to the strength of our brand is the fact that the majority of the restaurants we open, over 92% are existing brand partners reinvesting and expanding with Wingstop, which really says a lot about the unit economics. Well, I'll tell you, it's like and no other that I've seen. I've studied these business models almost all my life. You have the toughest one to get because you're the best, and people have to recognize that's how good Wingstop is. I want to thank Michael Skipworth, President and CEO of Wingstop. What a quarter. What a job. Thank you for coming on Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me. Okay. Mad Money's back after the break. Coming up, an earnings report that raised questions for investors. Does this pharma company have clear-eyed answers? Find out next. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. do with the legendary Bausch & Lohm, the eye care business spun off by Bausch Health, a.k.a. the old Valiant, almost a year ago. Since it's been off the stock, it's been stuck in the mid-teens. But back in February, we learned they were bringing in pharma legend Brent Saunders as chairman and CEO. He was actually the CEO who originally sold the old Bausch & Lohm to Valiant a decade ago before he took over at Activist, which he sold to Allergan. Then he became CEO of Allergan and sold it to AbbVie for $63 billion. In short, the guy's a legend. So can he breathe new life into this business? Well, this morning, Bausch & Lohm reported a solid, albeit mixed, quarter with better-than-expected sales, coupled with weaker-than-expected earnings, and an inline forecast. In the end, though, the market liked it enough to send the stock up 1.72% on a really nasty day. So what's the plan going forward? Let's go straight to the source with Brent Saunders. He's the chairman and CEO of Bausch & Lohm and a longtime friend of the show. Mr. Saunders, welcome back to Mad Money. Well, thanks for having me. It's exciting to, to see you again. Oh, Brent, same here. Now, i got to ask you, you've had some terrific success. Right now, this company, I think, is just a shadow of its former self when you ran it because of some people who didn't really understand it. What made you come back? Yeah, so so I think you're, you're right. Um, I'm excited to be back. I came back because, one, I love the eye care industry. It's filled with amazing professionals, lots of innovation, lots of unmet need. 
uh, to solve for. But also, as you, you stated in the opening, um, Bausch & Lomb is a company I love. I was here, uh, I sold the company about 10 years ago. I was here, uh, my first CEO job was here. Uh, they're amazing and talented people throughout this company, but you're right, it needs to to be reinvigorated. It needs to, to, to really reach its full potential. Well, I view you as someone who has who knows blockbuster brands. I know you as someone who has high margin products. I, you identified that those are two things that Bausch and Loam do not have right now. Is it in the pipe? Do you see things that could happen here? Could you buy something? Because I know that you're someone who likes big brands and likes a pipeline. You're exactly right. And, and so when you look at Bausch and Lomb today, it's a, as you described the quarter, it's very solid. Um, but you're right. We don't have the big brands and we don't have the big products. What we do have is a massive infrastructure. We touch virtually every eye health professional in the world with a sales rep or a product. We have manufacturing and distribution in almost every country in the world. But our issue, and you're correctly pointing out, is we don't sell enough to take full advantage of that scale. And so you're right, we need a few blockbusters. But, you know, in the first year here or two, we may have to hit some singles before we hit doubles, triples, and home runs. All right, well, this is a complicated situation. My, my travel trust is involved with it somewhat unsuccessfully, I have to admit. I would say no, unsuccessfully. And we've been waiting for a spin because what's anomaly here is that uh, your company, which is owned by Bausch Health, is bigger than Bausch Health. But that's obvious because Bausch Health's got a lot of debt. Can, when and can this spin happen and you can be less a part of them so you can really show what Brent Saunders can do? Yeah, so you're right. So they have spun about 10% of, of our equity out into the IPO market um, and still hold roughly about 90%. It's really an issue for Bausch Health when they're going to do it in their board. That being said, I'm confident it will happen in time. And right now, I have my hands full focusing on operational excellence and and driving margin expansion and finding those blockbusters uh, you just described. Uh, is it possible uh, that you could have a go-forward strategy that would, could uh, include some bolt-ons? I mean, there are a lot of different products when you go to a drugstore that are right next to yours. I bet you someone would fit into your portfolio. That's true. And, and you know, I think in the, in the short term, and that is the next year, it's really about making the most of what we have. We have some great products. I think you're a Lumify user. We have Preservision. We have a great new daily sci-high contact lens in Infuse. We have a new drug we're about to launch in, in the fall. We, we have a FDA approval date in late June for dry eye, a category I know well from my past. So we have a lot we can work with here. But you're right. We need to find some more bolt-ons. We need to add some more product to get more revenue through this infrastructure to get better margins and, and really take advantage of, of the distribution we have all around the world. Okay, so Brent, when I grew up, I read books. Now people are on a screen from the minute they are pretty much in kindergarten, maybe before. I don't think it's that great for their eyes. I think we're creating generations of people who will need Bausch's help. What do you have in mind for them? You're right. So myopia control is becoming a bigger issue, particularly for young people who are unfortunately staring at screens too much. I think, frankly, I, I say young people, I stare at a screen too much. So True. maybe it's me too. But um, you're right. It's, it's a big area. We're working on contact lenses, and, and hopefully in the future we'll, we'll look at, at, at drugs and other uh, technologies, if you will, to really help people um, uh, deal with those issues. But they are becoming more prevalent. But this is a massive market. Eye care is a, a massive market. It grows single, dig, you know, mid-single digit around the world, places like China and Asia even faster. 
And so, you know, we have a great opportunity to, to really go into a very robust marketplace. All right, last question. I know that other companies that are in the segment have done a lot of work. I mean, look, I, when you talk to the J&J guys, they've really taken this franchise much bigger than when you were at Bausch and Loom. Can you catch up? I mean, they've really done a lot of good work away from you. Yeah, no, J&J is a great competitor, and we have two or three other really uh, uh, amazing competitors. But, you know, we have great products, and we have great distribution. So you're right. We have to do more with what we have. We have a great Delhi Sci-Hi, which is the hottest technology in, in, in contact lenses. We're just launching the full line of that as we speak around the world. Um, but we've got to get to the next level of technology. The cycle in contact lenses changes every seven, eight years. And so we need to really work with our labs in Rochester and Waterford, Ireland, to find that next technology in contact lens and leapfrog to compete against the big well, guys. Well, my money's on you. It always has been. And you've always made shareholders money, which is a sensational claim. Brent Saunders, chairman and CEO of Bausch & Loom. That's the BLCO kind. Thank you, Brent, for coming back. Thank you so much for having Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Man, money's back into the break. Coming up. Is it salad days for Brinker? Kramer digs into the meat of their quarter. Next. The restaurants have been one of the big bright spots this early season, but sometimes the expectations get a little ahead of themselves. I think that's what happened with Brink International, the parent company of Chili's Maggiano's uh, Little Italy. And I got to tell you, a favorite of the show. This morning, Brinker posted a four-cent earnings beat off a $1.19 basis with higher-than-expected revenue and 10.8% same-store sales growth. In absolute terms, it was a terrific quarter. But you know what? Sometimes this company is so good that the expectations ran all the way up. Some key numbers were only in line with those heightened expectations, like the same-store sales growth for Chili's. Basically, there was an extremely high bar set for Brinker, and it's so hard to clear when that happens. And maybe that's why the stock got slammed down nearly 4%, although everything went down near the end of the day. Don't forget that. So could this be the buying opportunity for an amazingly well-run restaurant company? Or maybe we got to wait for it to cool off a little. I don't know. Let's check in with Kevin Hockman. He's the president CEO of Brink International. We get a brittery in the quarter. What's next? Mr. Hockman, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, thanks for having me on and uh, appreciate the Kevin, intro. Kevin, I got to tell you. When the number came out, we all knew it was good. And then this thing goes down really badly, and we say, oh, come on, give it to me. This is just ridiculous. Then we read the conference call and realize there's absolutely nothing wrong. Stocks flies right back. And then, of course, the market turned down the end. But the fact is, you got margins improving. You have a great strategic change. And I think that, frankly, you have a simplified menu that makes it so that your stuff is almost always good. So tell us about the changes going on since we've even seen you last. Yeah, we had a really good quarter. You know, we beat the top line, we beat the bottom line. You know, we look at the guest metrics like food grape, our intent to return. They're all at very, very high levels, both increasing versus Q2, as well as increasing versus year ago in our busiest quarter. So we feel really confident that we're on the right track. We've also made some needed investments into the business and still delivered the margin growth and the bottom line that we needed. So we felt it was a great quarter. And, you know, I understand where the questions are coming from, and we were prepared to answer them. And I think that's why we saw the stock you know, bounce back well, but your, your conference call today was filled with two different kinds of things. One is how to improve operations. But the second, a love for food and a love for drink. We were going over your con- well, some of our, our, our people. Well, we're all, I was in Chili's just last week. We all like Chili's. We just find it to be simple and good. But you addressed all of those considerations, including, like, your chicken dishes. 
Yeah, so, you know, we're on, we're, we call it the core four, which is burgers, margaritas, fajitas, and chicken crispers, which is our chicken tenders. And we're all about getting rid of a bunch of other stuff so we can double down and triple down on making those items the best they can be and then innovate on them so we can drive both pricing power as well as drive check over time. And we're having great success with that. You know, we're going to have our new, all new chicken crisper menu coming out in May. I think it's going to have huge results on the business, not just from a price standpoint, but also drive traffic over time. And we're putting some premium margaritas into the business, including things like Patron and Casamigos. So, you know, it's an exciting time to be at Chili's. We are lovers of food and drink, and we're going to upgrade a lot of the things that we're doing as well as make the core stuff even better. Well, I mean, the, the level of detail that you engage in, I find fascinating as a CEO. You talked about what would happen if you got rid of the tempura chicken. I mean, you're deeply focused on the actual day-to-day menu, aren't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the things I learned at our general manager conference when I talked about driving chicken tenders was audible groans from the audience and the general managers of, and I, and I was like, why? We just want to make more of the same thing more often. And they said, hey, it's really hard to make these chicken crispers in two different breadings. And so we got rid of the one that's really small, and we doubled down on some new breading procedures to make sure that the guest gets a hot, fresh, delicious chicken crisper every time. And those changes are rolling out in May. Um, a lot of folks were worried about, oh, are you going to lose some sales getting rid of the chicken tempura? And the reality is our unit sales on chicken crispers, our per 100, are actually up 3%, and we haven't even gotten to the new relaunch. So we're super excited about uh, uh, moving forward, about focusing on the core things that are really going to move the business, and I think you're going to see that continue to see increases in intent to return in food right, Let me ask you, uh, how attuned are you to the uh, uh, to the way that vegetarians love your restaurants? Say more about that, Jim. I haven't heard no, that No, the before. fried mozzarella sticks. I'm not kidding, because uh, I'll tell you why I'm, I'm focused so, on this, because you're focused. I typically do not fo- focus on the actual food of, uh, when I'm interviewing a CEO. But when I read your conference, well, you were the most attentive to what people like of any CEO I've come across. So I threw that out there because I thought that maybe that was part of what you've been thinking about. Well, ultimately, what we got to do, Jim, to really accelerate this business is we got to serve great food with great hospitality in a fun and inviting atmosphere. And that's what we're all about. And that's the progress that we're making this quarter. If you look at the results on intent to return, server attendance, guest experience a problem, it's all headed in the right direction. And when we're doing things like simplifying, getting rid of the things that don't really matter, to double down on the things that are really going to improve the experience, you're going to see those things start to really turn. And we're starting to see it in the metrics, both in top line sales, bottom line sales, but more importantly, guest metrics that determine long-term growth. Of the well, business. let me ask you about a metric. You were at the town hall. You do these town halls. What's your metric of retention of managers for your chilies? So pre-pandemic, we were well ahead of the industry, right? We went down during the pandemic, just like everybody else in the industry. And then when I got there, we hadn't seen things improve. We're doing these town halls all across the country, trying to understand the changes that we made over the last year. How are the managers reacting to them, and what do they want to see next to make it easier to run you know, a restaurant and make it fun for their teams? And we're hearing things have never been stronger in the business right now in terms of the heart of house. The managers are having fun again, and they're telling me, I had a couple come up to me all across the country and say, hey, I wasn't sure about staying at Chili's, and I love the direction of the brand, and I personally feel like I have control over where the brand goes next, and it makes me want to stay here and get after it. So that's an exciting time when all the managers feel like they're a part of the solution. I know we're going to have better results because of that, 
and including reduced turnover, which obviously leads to better customer experience. All right, last question. We had the Fed meeting today, and he's saying we're making some progress on inflation. When I read through your documents, I felt like, you know what, that's where you guys are. You're actually making some progress on inflation, both labor and food. Yeah, you know, it, it's always still a challenge, right? So inflation is not as high as it was, you know, call it three quarters ago, but it's still high. And so the most important thing we can do in an inflationary environment is make sure that we deliver an amazing experience for guests, right? If guests are, you know, starting to pull back and say, okay, what, what trips do I want to make? If we have one that we know is consistent with great food and a great service, that guest is going to choose us more often and we're going to market share. And that's exactly what's happening. So if you look at March, and you look at April, and you look at our market share results, you know, things are really accelerating. And when we got on the call and talked about that, I think that's when you saw the stock really rebound. Well, you sure you know, did. People want to see us growing market That's exactly share what happened. When you, we talked about That's why I want to wish a happy second a mile, because one of, your, one of your core pillars is the margarita. Absolutely. You know, we're the number one margarita seller in the I world. I know you are. Tequila and margaritas are the number one thing that people drink in America right now for alcoholic beverages. So we're in the right oh, business. I get you. I like the Mezcal margarita, but we'll take that offline, my friend. Kevin Hockman, President and CEO of Brinker International, EAT. Fabulous record. Good numbers. Bid money's back after the break. Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski Daddy, time for the lightning round. Let's start with Cynthia, Minnesota. Cynthia. Hey, Jim. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Cynthia. How are you? Hey, very good. Um, The stock I'm wondering about has a fantastic dividend, but I'm wondering if it's sustainable. It's big, big lots. No, oh, look, I, I don't think you should be in big lots. I think it's a it's a, a, a retailer that's just losing a ton of money. you got to step away from that one. I'm sorry. As low as it is, I think you can go lower. Let's go to Dave in Illinois. Dave. Dr. Kramer, my mad vegetable gardening friend, how are you? I am good, Dave. I'm looking forward to planting in another couple of weeks. What's going on? Sounds good. Jim, last December, you labeled Sempra Energy a dependable utility stock. So, Jim, pull the trigger now or keep the bat on the shoulder. No, I, know, I, like, I like Sempra. I think you should buy some now, and if it drops to 4%, buy some later. So, Dave, if I wanted to buy 100 shares, I'd buy 50 now and buy 50 if it cracks to 4%. And thank you for remembering my gardening. It's getting ready. Let's go to Avi in Illinois. Avi. Hey, Kramer. This is Paddy from Vernon Hills, Illinois. My 11-year-old Avi has a question for you. Sure. Hi, Jim. I'm a big fan of the show. Um, Thank you. I wanted to know if On Holdings is a good buy. O-N-O-N. I think On Holdings is one of the most exciting, uh, really, I'd say most exciting new companies I've seen in a very long time. We have a bad market, and we've got a bunch of of different uh, hurdles that we have to go through before I would suggest pulling the trigger on On, but that is a great one, and I like it. Let's go to Michael, New Jersey. Michael. Hey, Jim. How's it going? Booyah. Happy Wednesday. Oh, thank you. Same to you. What's going on? Good, good. I'm just trying to see your input on uh, Alibaba and the, with the recent reopening of China. 
Well, I, I'm not a big fan of the Chinese stocks, as you may know. If I do have to own one, it is Alibaba, but I'm not pounding the table on any stock right now in China at all. Let's go to Andre in North Carolina. Andre. Hey, Jim, how you doing? I'm doing a lot of people who love your show down here. Oh, thank you. I need to hear that. I need to hear that very much. What's going on? There was a company out of Durham, North Carolina, Wood, Wolfspeed. They say they're going to build a $5 billion chip manufacturing facility. I'm just wondering, what do you think about that company? No, I, you know, I, I just think you've got another company that is just not making money, that is that is very good at press releases. We're going to take a serious pass on that one. I'm not going for it. Let's go to Dawn in California. Dawn. Hi, Jim. I'd like to ask about Super Microcomputer, kicker SMCI. It's had a great run, and today it jumped on earnings. Do you think it's a buy? Do you mind if I actually, that those earnings came out today, and today was a very difficult day for the market and for all of us who, who apply the market. And I saw that stock go up, and I did not get a chance to analyze why that quarter was so good. I am going to have to come back on you on that, and I promise I will. Let's go to Robert in West Virginia, please. Robert. Hey, Jim, this is Robert from Lewisburg, West Virginia. I'd like to give you a Mountaineer Booyah. Uh, I'll take a Mountaineer Booyah right back at you. What's going on? I've been watching you since your days with Coco, man. Uh, well, that's a long time. Coco. Thank you. Thank you. How can I help? Um, I was wondering what your, like, five to ten-year time horizon thoughts were on IONQ. No, I, you know, look, I know quantum computing is supposed to be the next greatest thing, but I am not going to take... I am not interested in a company that is losing money right now. They're not working. Let's go to Dennis in Oregon. Dennis. Booyah, Jim. Wow. I'm from uh, the land of Dutch Brothers. Uh, Dutch Bros. I, I like to know about Rogers Communications. I like it very much. I like it. The stock is, I think, a lot of the cable companies, we're starting to recognize that when you have a 3% yield and you got a very steady business, it's worth owning. I think you're fine with that one. Let's go to John in Pennsylvania. John. Hi. Hey, John. Um, I'm retired. I like secure income. What do you think of RITM? It no, costs about bucks a I, share. I know, but you see, this is one of those companies we don't really know what they own, and they own a portfolio of companies. They're focused on real estate and financial services. Those are two areas that are very much in play here. To the downside, I don't want you in that if you can avoid it. Let's go to Dave in Florida. Dave. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Dave. I'm calling about Fathom Pharmaceuticals. They uh, developed a promising treatment for GERD, and I was wondering what you thought about that. Yes, I am familiar with that because I know someone who has GERD, and I would tell you that I think that it's a very speculative but interesting situation. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the lightning round. The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up. This morning, a bankable CEO convinced Kramer to stay the course on her stock. Find out what tipped the scales when that money returns. Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. You have a real sense for the fast food industry after this day is Well, I think that it's important to talk about existential crisis at banks. 
about whether Skynet's going to take us over and wings. Maybe the machines will just feed us wings, keep us happy. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. Jim Kramer, the diehard of the dollar. Hey, Jimmy, love the show. My five-year-old grandson loves to watch your show. I have to thank you for making us money when it's there to be made. Our world is a better place with you in it. When you own stocks, you always need to be thinking about your time horizon. If you've got a long-term investment, you don't want to be shaken out by short-term fears. But that's very hard to avoid. It's fight or flight, and most choose flight, when if you have patience, it might be better to do battle. So let's talk about some key situations we're going through with my charitable trust, and they're tough ones. It's what I've been telling club members to do with some of our highest profile names that haven't worked out, because you don't really need my help with the ones that have, do you? First, this morning, we interviewed Lisa Sue, the CEO of AMD, in the wake of her latest quarter, a quarter that sent the stock tumbling 9% today. Going into earnings, we told club members we were nervous that AMD was coming in too hot because the stock had run up dramatically in the week before the quarter for no reason whatsoever. Sure enough, the headline numbers were fine, but AMD gave a weak sales forecast and talked about how there's still too much inventory in the channel, part of the post-COVID personal computer hangover of too many PCs. Remember, during the pandemic, the PC makers went berserk, placing double and even triple orders in semiconductors. But once everybody who needed a PC had gotten one, they were all caught with way too much product, and that reverberated through the supply chain, hitting semiconductors really hard. Semiconductor companies like AMD, which suddenly had too many chips. You know, they're still working off that excess inventory, but near term, it is grim. Certainly doesn't help that Intel's gotten more competitive again. So the near term is not so hot for AMD, but I didn't like this stock for the near term in the first place. What matters is the long term. And from a long term perspective, Lisa Sue insists she's lost no market share. And more important, she talked about a watershed moment for AI that will be huge for them maybe this time next year. I think that's close enough to justify staying long and buying even more at these prices. Can you own it through that transition? I come back and say that you almost have to because you don't know when that moment comes when the inventory is cleared up. Better to fight, not flee. I feel the same way about Starbucks. The stock got clobbered today, down 9%, because it didn't offer an outsized forecast after a monster run-up. That was like AMD's pre-quarter gallop based on nothing. Why should the new CEO, Lachsman Narasimhan, even play that aggressive forecast game? He would just be setting himself up for failure. Instead, he kept his forecast subdued because he wants to beat it as the Chinese economy comes roaring back to life. Remember, Starbucks is huge in China. I think he's a cautious man who under-promises and I think will over-deliver. By the way, I think Ford's doing the same thing. I think both are buys. Well, why not just give up on them? Okay, well, let me tell you why. I made that mistake with Boeing not that long ago. While this company's been struggling for ages, the issues that dogged them are now mostly in the rearview mirror. We sold this one, too, because I couldn't take it anymore. I just... I just didn't trust them, and I didn't like the pain. It was too much for me. I didn't fight. Every time it looked like Boeing was going to break out, well, it then broke down. It drove me crazy. I finally threw in the towel because I ran out of patience. You know what? It was a huge mistake in retrospect, a mistake I made because I was looking at the tape, not the business, or the fact that Boeing had a huge backlog and their potential customers had nowhere else to go, given the only other competitor in this business is Airbus, and they had an even bigger backlog. I got emotional, I lost patience, and as a result, the trust missed out on an incredible rebound. Now I've got another that I don't want that to happen to. It's Estee Lauder. It's down a horrific 17 
15% today. It's easy to say you just have to sell it now. Big earnings miss, ugly guy down. But under the leadership of CEO Fabrizio Freda, Lotus reported 56 quarters, and this was the only this was his only second miss out of all 56. The other being the first quarter of COVID. What went wrong? Freda presumed that cosmetics and skincare would rebound quickly in travel retail. All those duty-free airport shops, it didn't happen. Freighter made sure these duty-free stores got all the merchandise they wanted because he didn't want to lose their market share. But these retailers didn't get the customers they wanted. Chinese shoppers didn't show, so now there's a surfeit of Estee Lauder product kicking around doing nothing. So what do you do? On the one hand, you have to brace yourself for a miserable quarter or two, thanks to the inventory overhang. On the other hand, you have a CEO with an incredible track record who's only missed two quarters in 14 years. My take, I don't want another Boeing. Freda made the same mistake again, and the stock's more than de-risk down here. I think a great CEO who's almost always shot the lights out deserves the benefit of the doubt, even if the stock's horrendous. So I'd be a buyer here, maybe even a huge buyer. I have made gigantic amount of money for the trust on this one once before. So count on me as a fighter, not a fleer, because sometimes you have to check your fears and tread where others are afraid to go. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mid Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash disclaimer. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 